Today, we're actually going to finish the proverb. And so, um, when I was going through the first time, I skipped chapter 4, and so now I need to go back to chapter 4, and uh, I'll have finished the proverbs. And so, um, after this, Lord willing, we're just going to continue our journey through the Bible. Uh, we'll get into the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a pretty cool book, and uh, we'll just continue our journey through. And so, if you have a Bible today, let's go to Proverbs chapter 4. As today we get to go back, you know, if you remember the beginning days of the book of Proverbs, so much of it was an invitation to come and study this book. As a matter of fact, look what you read in Proverbs 4 and verse 1. It says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, and do not forsake my law, when I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, let my commands, keep my commands and live. And you know, one of the, the, the most important parts, I think, of being a Christian is having a hunger for the word, having a hunger for wisdom. You know, you guys come on a Thursday night, and uh, to me, you know, people are watching. Uh, lately, my wife and I, have, on Tuesdays, I get home from the ministry, and we watch, you know, the, the live stream that Pastor Raul did that day. It was just, a, you know, a conversation with him and a couple of the guys. And then on Wednesday nights, we watch the, you know, the live stream from Carachapo Golden Springs. I just really feel like I can't get enough, you know, reading books, um, staying in the Word daily, you know, coming to church service, it's not in vain. You know, I, when you look in the world today, I think even in the church and less and less people, I think, are attending. Um, and, you know, I, I wonder, like, what are they doing that's better? You know, when you come, um, you guys realize that God has this treasure for you. God will touch you by the power of his Holy Spirit. You, you leave here, you're a different person. You're stronger. It's supposed to be that way. When his word goes into your heart, it's like a seed, right? And so um, one of the things you'll see in the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs is just he's just inviting them, hey, come. Make sure you come. Make sure you read the word. And he's inviting them over and over. She's inviting them over and over. You know, just come. And, and so, you know, I was thinking about how when we do that, we find treasure. And so whatever you do, don't ever stop that pursuit, that passion. As a matter of fact, I was reading a story. Um, for more than 30 years, archaeologist Howard Carter searched the deserts of Egypt for something that most people thought didn't even exist. You guys might remember, he was searching for the, the tomb of King Tut. Most experts thought that everything already had been discovered in the Valley of Kings there in Egypt, but he continued his search, and it took five more years. He was at the brink of losing his sponsorship, and what we find in November of 1922, they discovered a hidden staircase near the tomb of Ramesses IV. And so, you know, you guys remember King Tut, the exhibition. I think the insurance for the um, the, the the exhibit is estimated at $26 million. 
You know, but the thing is, he just never stopped searching. And I was thinking when I read that story, it's kind of interesting because King Tut is about 300 years before Solomon. You got here these two guys kind of like offering their treasures or whatever, these treasures that they have to offer. What would you rather have? Would you rather have the 26 million or would you rather have the wisdom of God? You know, I think when you read this and as you guys, whatever you do, and I was even thinking when I read that, it's kind of funny because I've been a Christian about 30 years. And the Lord just, he just brought that to my heart. Manny, whatever you do, don't stop studying the Bible. Don't stop digging into the word. All the other stuff is cool. You know, you get all the news and all that kind of stuff, and that's kind of cool. But there's nothing like studying the Bible. And here in Proverbs 4, we see it comes from his parents. Again, you know, from parents who care enough to give good doctrine. You know, I want you to turn real quick to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And you guys know this. I'm sure you, you know this. But, but it's just good to read over and over again. Deuteronomy 6. Notice what it says in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the greatest commandment, right? That's where all the other commandments come from. And, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. We're going to see that later. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You know, and, and I think one of the most important things in life is teaching our children the word of God. You know, and that's what we see here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And so if everybody caught that vision, if every parent, you know, really lived that responsibility, it would be a different world. You know, you go out there and you talk to some of these kids that are and you know, we go to different places, ask them different basic Bible questions. They don't know. Somewhere along the line, because this used to be a Christian nation, somewhere along the line, somebody dropped the ball. They didn't teach their children the way they were supposed to. And it's kind of cool. It, it, it might be formal. It might be a Bible study. But he, he even talks here about just as you live life. You know, you see a lesson here or it's a teaching moment. And you can share with them scriptural principles. You know, when you sit, when you're walking, it's kind of cool. Let, let every parent, let every grandparent, understand this huge responsibility that we have being in the ministry is great and doing all the other stuff is cool but man there's this this is our primary responsibility we see uh, the same thing in deuteronomy chapter 11 if you want to turn there real quick deuteronomy 11 and verse 18 therefore you shall lay up these words of mine where in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall write them on the, on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's kind of cool. I know a lot of you here, you have Bible verses huh, up on the wall and your kids see them every day. That, that's, that'll sink in. 
And he says right here in verse 20 again, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. You know, God says, hey, teach your children the word so that they can live in the promised land so that your children can live in a land that is described as victorious Christian living. Now, of course, we know every child has to make their own decision, and sometimes you get the best of parents, and kids maybe go sideways. But we read in Proverbs that if you train them up in the way they should go, I'll tell you what, eventually they're going to come back. But sometimes as parents, we can get busy in this world doing other things because we neglect our responsibility. And so back in Proverbs chapter 4, he's saying, hey, um, listen to the word of wisdom given from your parents who care for you. This is really a good reason to listen. And, 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 he, and he says to, to, to learn and live and give attention um, because the parents are the ones that are primarily responsible to teach and to reach their children. You know, I was thinking about how a lot of times parents, uh, they want to, re, you know, and they give the responsibility of the children's ministry or maybe the pastor or some type of mentor. And that's cool. There's a place for those types of people and those responsibilities. But primarily, wouldn't it be cool if a parent caught a vision to say, hey, I'm going to teach my children like the doctrines of the Bible you know, go through the whole Bible, systematic theology, you name it. And so right here we see the word is from parents, and he's asking the children to listen. Why, why listen? Because it's from mom and dad who love you. It's from a dad who loves you. It's, it's a good doctrine. We read there in, in verse 2. You know, ideally, you guys, it should be the parents. And ideally... Parents should be teaching their children when they're young, if possible, you know, if possible. Notice it says again there in verse 3, when I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother. You know, ideally, the parents should do this while their children are still tender. They tend to be more teachable, and we need to take advantage of that time. You guys know, aren't the kids smart? The kids are like sponges, so make sure you don't teach them false doctrine, because <laughs> they'll believe you. But, but you know, this is, I, I think, so important for us. I always try to think of this. Okay, Lord, these people are taking time out of their day to come on a Thursday night and listen to a Bible study. What, what is it that they can benefit from? If you have any kids, teach them. Any nieces, nephews, teach them. If any grandchildren, teach them. If you're a child, if you're a kid, listen to the instruction of your parents who care for you. And if you have kids one day, make sure you take advantage of those times when they're little because, man, those things that you teach them might save. They're going to see, keep them from wandering in the wilderness. It will keep them in that place of victorious Christian living, that thing that we read about in Deuteronomy chapter 11 called the promised land. And so this is very, very practical. And I will say this to you, if your kids are in your roof under your home, that's still your house and that you serve the Lord, you sit down with them and you have devotions with them. Very important for us that we have this in our heart. 
You know, again, in verse 1, hear my, my children the instruction of Father. Give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine, and do not forsake my law. We'll come back to that later. When I was my father's son, Solomon says, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, notice, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. And so we come, you know, to the word of God. Where is it going to land? Where is it going to land? Will it go in one ear and out the other? Will it go and settle down in your brain? Not good enough. God's word has to find a home in your heart. And it's kind of cool how it says, let your heart retain my word, you know? Let, let your heart retain and keep my commands. And, and I don't know, you know, how that all works all together. I, I was thinking, like, like Pastor Henry had mentioned earlier, that reference in Psalm 119.11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, there, there's five uh, modes of Bible intake um, as far as getting the Bible in. You know, you read it, you hear it taught, you memorize it, you meditate on it, you know, and, and what you want to do with it is you want to live it. And so as that word is coming in, um, it's kind of cool. I don't know if you guys still have it in your heart, but the Jews, when their kids were little, they made them memorize the Bible, you know, and we should have that in our hearts. Lord, I want to memorize. Well, what for? So you can list a hundred verses? No, so that I won't sin against you. And so we got to let our heart retain the word. Because if our heart's not right, I've told you guys a million times that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. That's why it's so uh, prevalent in the book of Proverbs. 83 times you have the heart mentioned. And so one of the things I thought about, again, just trying my best, Lord, I want to grow. I want your people to be blessed. You know, you come in today, maybe your heart has not been right. Make it right. Make it right tonight. You know, I don't know if you guys knew this, but every year in the United States of America, there are 2,000 heart transplants. Think about that. Did you know that if you go on YouTube, you can actually see a heart transplant surgery? If you can handle the blood, I would encourage you to check it out. It's crazy. But they take out an old heart that doesn't work anymore, that's not right, and they put in a new heart. And there are some people who need that. They just need a new heart. If your heart's not right, there's no hope. If your heart's not right and you're gonna, you got to really you know, check it out and you have to bring it before the Lord and maybe you're having problems and your struggles and you feel so distant from God and everybody else is, is wrong except for you, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you. God is willing to give you a new heart. Hearts are so important. Our hearts beat 100,000 times every single day. There's 70,000 miles of stuff that the blood flows through every 60 seconds. Think about that. And so, you know, if our heart's not right, you guys know how it is physically. Well, the same is true spiritually. And so three times in this proverb alone, 83 times in the book of Proverbs, he talks about the heart. And so, you guys, let's search our heart. 
let's search our heart. If it's not right, then you can pray like Psalm 51.10. It says, create in me a clean heart. You can pray things like that. You know, if your compass is off, then you're always going to be heading in the wrong direction. And so what does he say in verse 5? He says, get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all your getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. She will deliver to you. And, and here you see uh, wisdom, and we've seen it uh, as we've gone through the book of Proverbs, is personified in, in the feminine. And, and basically what he's saying here in, in one sense is, hey, Solomon, go for it. You know, I don't know if you guys remember those days, guys, where you were in pursuit of some girl. And, and you know, um, for us as Christians, of course, there has to be, you know, that leading of the Lord. But men, sometimes God will put people together and it's kind of cool to be able to just pursue that type of friendship and then relationship and you're just praying about things. And in one sense, you know, we see wisdom personified in, in the feminine here. And he just he keeps saying it over and over, man. You know, you go and you get understanding. You go and you get wisdom. Verse 7, therefore get wisdom. And in all you're getting, you know, get understanding. Have you guys noticed how in crazy it is, how some people never get it? You know, they never do. You know, but God here is encouraging us to go for it. You know, we see repeatedly the calls to, to get wisdom. But one of the things we also see is that it's not free. It's not. You know, God says to, to go uh, and get this wisdom, and you guys are here, hopefully not out of some religious burden. Hopefully we're not here for peripheral reasons. Hopefully we're here to, to say, God, take your word and plant it in my heart. And, and while I'm here, Lord, let me love on people. While I'm here, Lord, change me. While I'm here, Lord, heal my heart. While I'm here, as a matter of fact, give me even more of a hunger for wisdom. You know, it's kind of cool the way that it says right here to, to get her, and then it says in verse 6 to love her. It, it says in verse 8 to exalt her. It, it even says in verse 8 to embrace her. Imagine that. Yeah, it's almost like you have a relationship with this wisdom. You know, and, and I know, you know, I've told you guys before that before I was a Christian, I, I lacked common sense. I had no direction. I mean, where would we be today if it weren't for God's wisdom? Huh? In our life. You know, some of us, we'd still be getting drunk. We'd still be getting high. We'd still be you know, partying, we'd still be going and looking for girls, we'd still be, you know, we'd be dead, we'd be in prison, I mean, you name it. But thank God for the wisdom that he gives to us. But it, it's not free. You know, it's not. We see repeatedly this call to, to wisdom. And it's interesting, the Hebrew word translated get, it actually speaks of a commercial transaction. 
you know, if we really want her, we kind of got to be willing to, to pay the price. You know, Proverbs 17, verse 16. Look at it real quick, if you would. Proverbs 17, in verse 16, it says, Why is there in the hand of a fool the purchase price of wisdom, since he has no heart for it? You know, have you ever been somewhere where, you know, you, you just kind of knew in advance that you couldn't afford it, but you asked anyways? Hey, how much is that? Oh, the Lamborghini? Oh, yeah, it's $275,000. That was something I asked about 15 years ago, you know? Uh, you know, and so you're asking for, for wisdom. How much is it? What's the purchase price for wisdom? But in all reality, you're not willing to pay the price anyways. You know, and that, that's what he's saying right here. Go and get it. The Hebrew word is talking about a commercial transaction. And to be wise, it, it requires you know, a lot of dying to self. It requires, like for me, I remember when I first got saved, my pastor said, you should read a proverb every day. One proverb every day. There's 31 proverbs, whatever the date is. Today's, I know, whatever, March 11th. So you read Proverbs 11. Well, there are, most people are not willing to pay that price. They don't want to spend 10 minutes a day reading their proverb. I'm not saying that's the only way, but I mean, to me, that kind of makes sense. It almost seems like it was God's design. But, you know, sorry, I can't do it. I got more important things to do. Yeah, like what? And, and so you're going to go get it. Hebrew word talks about the, some type of commercial transaction. In other words, there's a price to pay. It really is. You know, I, I just really encourage you guys, man, to just be willing to go and to get that wisdom. You know, maybe it'll be more time in, in the Word. I don't know. I don't want to give you guys some legalistic burden, but I'm telling you this, that you cannot go wrong by reading your Bible. Maybe it'll be less time watching the things in television that are absolutely futile, that are destroying your brain. You know, I, I know, like I told you earlier, and I'm, we haven't always done it, but lately it's just been really cool. And it, my flesh doesn't want to do it. My flesh doesn't want to pray. My flesh doesn't want to turn on the TV and watch a Bible study. But, but the Spirit does. And when you just, okay, I'm going to do this, you get blessed. You know, you reap the, the dividends of what you've sown. And so... I want to encourage you guys. You know, you're paying the price. Maybe it'll be less time on, on social media. Again, you guys know as the Lord will lead you. Maybe it'll be less time on hobbies or mess, less money on luxuries. You know, I don't know. I can't, you know, I, I know that God wants us to have hobbies and enjoy life. Don't get me wrong. I think sometimes that's very good for you, even spiritually speaking. But, but, you know, as far as getting wisdom and getting understanding and getting these things that will bless your life, it's going to require uh, some sacrifices. You know, it says in, in verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And I was just thinking, and this is just me being weird. <laughs> you know, you guys remember when you went to school? You guys remember the principal? Okay, well, why, why are they the principal? You know, some, some of those principles were kind of weird, but, but um, 
you know, these guys, they, how do you become a principal? You know, you got to learn a lot. You know, you have to get a bachelor's degree. You have to get a master's degree. There's certain aspects of teaching and certification involved and approval and all that kind of stuff. And, and I don't know why when I, when, I, when I read that verse, you know, it's like the principal thing. It was just kind of like it just stood out to me like it, it requires a lot. And, and, you know, you in a church, you know, you, you, you wonder how many people are really pursuing it that way. You know, we see right here the benefits in verse 6 that, that she will preserve us and she will keep us and, and she will promote us. Sometimes people wonder, why aren't I getting promoted? Because you haven't promoted wisdom. Sometimes that's the case. You know, when you see the benefits of it, verse 9 definitely stands out. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. You know, and so here we are, March 11, 2021. Fast forward, I don't know, 20 years maybe. The Lord comes. Maybe I'll be dead. I don't know, 30 years, 40 years. I don't know. The day comes. The day comes and you're standing before God. And somehow something happened in your life somewhere along the road where it just clicked. It's not my life. It's not my life. And, and you start seeking God the way that you should be and reading that Bible the way you should be and praying the way you should be and serving the way you should be and living the way you should be. And then you know what happens? That on that day that you stand before the Lord, you know, I don't know who and how and all the details of exactly what happens, but boom, all you know is that someone comes and, and man, they put a crown on you. And someone else comes and they put the, the crown of righteousness on you and then the, the crown of life on you and then the soul winner's crown on you and then 1 Peter 5, 4 talks about the pastor's crown, whatever it might be, crown. And the Bible says, yeah, we take those crowns and we cast them at Jesus' feet. But I'm telling you this, that, that when you're wise and you start you know, getting your heart right and then that shows in the words that you speak and it shows in your life as a parent teaching your children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews or whatever, it might even be in the children's ministry, I don't know, but somewhere you just start, you just start living life, it starts clicking you're, you're going to be crowned. That's what the Bible says. And we read it over and over again. 1 Corinthians 9.25, the imperishable crown. 1 Thessalonians 2.19, the crown of rejoicing. James 1.12, the crown of life. 2 Timothy 4.8, the crown of righteousness. And then 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, the crown of glory given to pastors, maybe those who weren't even ordained by God, but I mean, ordained by men, but they were ordained by God. And so, you know, verse 10, he says, here, my son. And again, we, that's the same word we saw in verse one, Shema, listen to learn in order to live and, and receive my sayings. And notice the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Sometimes when I'm on the treadmill, I'm like running and then I start going faster. I'm like, Lord, please don't let me fall. You know, <laughs> Take firm hold of instruction. 
Do not let go. Keep her for she is your life. You know, I don't know like all the things that are going to happen as a result of Calvary Chapel Almani. I know this is where God has placed me and I'm very blessed to be here. But one of the things that I'm super excited about is just how many people are reading through the Bible in a year. I tell you what, if sometimes, you know, you're just a John the Baptist, maybe. There's not like whatever, you're teaching a lot of stuff, but you're just pointing. You're just pointing people to Jesus, and you just never know what that's going to do. And then you're encouraging people, just read your Bible. Read it, try it. Watch how blessed you'll be if you read it in a year. Why? You know, so I'll tell you, that, that's to me, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm reading this right here, I'm like, I'm like Lord, I'm so excited that, that people are, are listening in order to live, in order to learn. You know, when I, when I read verse 10, hear my son and receive my sayings, I don't know why, just, again, when you know what, when you read the Bible, there's a lot of different um, ways, I guess, of things popping out. When I thought of receiving, I thought of football. You know, and I thought about it, I remember when I was a tight end or whatever, you know, you go play football and stuff. And I was thinking about how as a receiver, you got to kind of shake yourself open. You know, you got to shake people off of you. You shake things off of you in order to be open. You know, because you want the ball. You want it. You want to get it. You want to catch it. And that's kind of how it is when you're receptive. You know, hey, hey, son, receive my sayings. Okay, well, it's not going to be easy because there's a lot of things that are vying for my attention and I got to get free and I got to go and I want it. And then, and then you catch it. And there are some people, they're so open. You know, I get questions from people and I can tell they're hungry for the Lord. And they're not asking me all the other stuff. I mean, I don't know. They're asking me Bible questions. And so here's someone, they're just, you know, here my son, receive my sayings. Sometimes that's a problem. People just are not receptive to that ministry. And so it's important that we're receptive. It's important that we're open no, we see we need to work and to get into that place. In, in verse 11, we see, I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. And it's kind of cool when you look at verse 11, because again, we're trying to be effective, right, as teachers. You know, one thing is to verbalize it or give the message. Another way is to give the model. And so he talks about teaching, but he also talks about leading. And how many of your parents, what would you say is more important, telling them to do it or showing them how it's done? They'll, they'll do what we do, not what we say. And that's what we're talking about here. And I get excited about this stuff. I get really excited about it because I love my country. I love my country. And I love the world that God's made. I, I love other countries. I love Cambodia. I've been there. That's why I love it. And I'm realizing, well, well how, how can we make it a better place? By families. Families. 
taking up their responsibility to, to teach the word and to live the word so that it's, you know, the chances of our children following Christ are greater. Now, we can't change the past, but we can change it now, and we can go forward. This is how there's hope. And so, you know, he's talking to parents, and, and he's talking to children, and he's saying, hey, children, there are some children here, huh? You know, you guys are, are younger. Um, I encourage you to be receptive. You know, we see the, 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 the model. He says, I have led you in, in right paths and I know it's difficult, you guys, um, but we need to try to be models. I was thinking about Paul the Apostle who said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Imagine saying that. Hey, I want you guys to be like me. That's scary, huh? I, I couldn't say it, but Paul was able to say it. Mimic me just the way I mimic Christ. And then later on in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17, he says, brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. So the first Greek word is mimic me. And the second Greek word is, is tupos, where we get our word typology from. Paul the apostle was in one sense a typology of a Christian. He was a good example of a Christian. And so this is where there's power. This is where there's power. I, I've been like consumed lately with the thought that I am a witness at home. I'm a witness at home. My, my children, my wife, they're watching me. And so, I mean, this is what he's saying. Hey, you know, teach them. Yeah, that's cool. But, but lead them, that, that's, that's also part of how it works. Verse 12 again, so that when they walk, uh, their steps won't be hindered, and when they run, uh, they won't stumble. And there's so much there, huh? I mean, what, what kind of walk is he talking about? Is he talking about how we walk around the block? No. He's talking about our moral daily journey. That, that when there is this cooperation between parents who are, are, are giving the message and giving the model and there are children who are receptive to it and hungry for it, how this was the formula for Israel, this is a formula for God's people to, to be blessed and so that they walk every single day with power. And they run. You know how they run? They run to win. They run to win. You know, I mean, they're not just in the race. They're not just kind of going through the motions. What, when we're running, you guys know we're running in a race, right? Hebrews 12 talks about that. 1 Corinthians 9 it talks about that. Let me ask you a question. Who are you running against? Are you running against the person next to you? Are you running against the pastor down the street? Who are you running against? You are running against the best possible you. That's the one that you want to win. And so we're, we're walking and, and we're running, and that's what he's saying, that if you do this, then you know your steps won't be hindered. The Bible talks about walking worthy of this great salvation in Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 1. You know, if not, you know, 
we'll stumble. The, the whole you know, goal is, Lord, you know, I pray that we as a church, that me, my kids, they won't stumble and they won't fumble. Look at verse 13. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. No, you guys know how it is. And going, going back to football, and I know some of you girls are football fans, right? You guys like the Raiders, right? We're good with that, okay. So I'm just joking. You guys probably would get mad at me for that, but I have to tell you that when you're watching a football game, you guys know this just as well as I do. When then that running back has that ball and he's running and wherever it is that he's got the ball, he is protecting that football because everybody on the other team is trying to strip that football out of his hand. Huh. Well, that's exactly what's going on. I mean, that's wor- the world that we're living in. They're, they're trying everything they can to, you know, strip that Bible out of your hands. They got other things, you know, that they'd rather have you hold on to. And so, you know, what he says right there, he says, take firm hold. Verse 13, you protect that. You take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. You got to keep her because this is a matter of life and death. You know, we read here in, in verse 2 of Proverbs 4, do not forsake my law. If you read, look again at verse 5, it says, do not forget nor turn away from the words of, of my mouth. Verse 6, do not forsake her. There are some who they used to, but now they don't. Now, some will tell you, well, that's impossible. Hey, I've lived long enough, three decades as a Christian, and I've read my Bible every single year. And I know that it is possible to stop. It is possible to get distracted. That's why there's so many warnings. Don't let go. Don't forsake. Don't turn away. You know, it's never, when, you, when it's really the Lord, the Bible is never boring. When I read my Bible every single day of my life, I, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not bragging either because it's not me. Every single time, it's God speaking to me. Now, how can that be something that anyone would not want? Well, it's when we're walking in the flesh. And so we have to make sure that we take firm hold of instruction because it is a matter, it says right here, for for she is your life. Verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it, do not travel on it, turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away. They can't even rest unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. And so in, in one sense, we're going to see two sections, really, really simple, and I have to go through this really quick. In, in one sense, it was like, hey, you guys, listen. Listen to wisdom. Listen to wisdom. Parents, teach your kids. Kids, listen to your parents as they're teaching you God's wisdom. And then here's some specifics. One of the things, most important thing, is don't go a- and hang out with wicked people. That's, that's now, we're, now we're talking about something specific. Don't go there. 
don't go there. Don't go with the wrong crowd. I don't know about you guys. I mean, you guys are, you know, Thursday nighters. You know, probably you're a little bit more understanding of this, but you just never know. There might be someone here who is hanging out with the wrong person, going to the wrong places. And it's as simple as that. If you want God to bless your life, then you need to come out from there. It says right there, do not enter the path of the wicked. You know, these guys, you would be so surprised. They, they, they are so bad. It says in verse 16 that they don't sleep unless they've done evil, that they can't rest unless they've made someone fall, that they eat the, the bread. That's the sustenance. That's the satisfaction of their life. They eat the, the bread of wickedness, and they drink the wine. They're under the influence, I mean, of violence. And so there are some people out there like that, you know, and it's crazy. D.L. Moody is kind of interesting. He wouldn't go to sleep at night unless he had shared the gospel with at least one person. These people don't go to sleep at night unless they've made at least one person fall. And I was even talking to my, my family on the way over here. I was like, you know, for us, we don't even have to go down to the bar. We don't have to go down to Vegas. We're not really even talking about that. We're talking about just tapping on something that you shouldn't have tapped on. He says, don't even enter there. And I can tell you that as I'm watching my news feed and whatever. Oh, hey, I wonder what that story is about. Why? Because it has some girl looking a certain way. And what's he saying right here? Don't even tap on that. Don't go that way. You know, because what we find right here is, believe you me, the devil's pulling the strings behind that stuff. And he has a plan. Hey, this is a nice picture. I'll bet you we can lure some guys in with this. And we rationalize it. Well, it's legal. <laughs> it's on my phone. Let me tell you guys, what we're finding right here is that there are places that we just don't belong. In verse 18, verse 19, it says, that, But the path of the just, in contrast to the wicked, is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. You know, verse 19 is interesting that these guys, they don't even know what makes them stumble. They don't know what's going on. You know, Prince Harry and Meghan, there was an interview. You guys maybe saw that. And it's tripping out on what he said. He said, these guys are trapped, and they don't even know they're trapped. They don't even know it. That is a perfect description of the loss. It's a perfect description of the world. They're in it. They're lost. They're dead. They don't even know it. They need Jesus, right? I, I read uh, something today. Um, why did the man fall in the well? Because he didn't see that well. <laughs> right? They don't even see it. They're falling so frequently that they're living on the ground, even in the gutter, and they don't even know what made them fall. That, that's the contrast between us and it says the path of the just. It's like shining brighter and brighter until the perfect day. And what ends up happening, and it should happen, we're, we should be more and more like Jesus. There should be more maturity each and every day. There should be more clarity each and every day. That's the path of the just. 
you know, we should be growing. Hebrews chapter 5, it says, by this time you should be teachers. You know, I'm not saying that necessarily everybody's called to teach or has the gift of teaching, but if you ever needed to do a teaching, you could do it. Why? Because you, you know the word now. But, but, but the writer of the Hebrews, he says, but the problem with this church is that they just, so carnal, they had to go back and eat milk. They couldn't even eat solid food. You know, it's interesting how verse 18 says, the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. You know, the Lord, is, as we're looking at this, it's just so beautiful, the, the, the life that he has for us. Verse 20 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? For they are life to those who find them and health to all their fresh flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it spring the issues of life. You know, and again, he comes now like to the, to the second appeal. Remember we saw that in the beginning now, again, the appeals are, again, give me your attention, incline your ear. So give me your, your mind. Give me your mind. Did you guys know that you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your mind? Give me your mind. Give me your, your ears. Incline your ears to me. Give me your, your eyes. You know, he, he says to, we, are, we, are to, we are to do this. Uh, Proverbs 23 in verse 26, he says, my son, give me your heart. You know, as we look at really what we're talking about here, it's almost like a Romans chapter 12 where it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as living sacrifices. You just give them everything. You know, we, we get health. You know, it's interesting in verse 22, it says, for, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. And again, the general principle for Christians is that they do actually live longer on average 14 years. Why is that? Because we are good stewards of, of our temples because of the lifestyle that we live. You know, one of the things I was even thinking about is how we, when we get sick, we pray for each other. I mean, there is reason, there is great reason, you know, to live a life of wisdom. It's because Jesus died for me. And I should die too. It's just because God loves me. And I know he loves me. And I should love him back. And then you see all the, the fringe benefits of it. And it just blows your mind. You know, we talked about how we are to retain his word in our heart. Here it says keeping them in the middle, right there smack dab, middle of your heart. And then in verse 23, it says keep your heart with all diligence. The Hebrew word translated keep is the word natsar, and it means to watch or to guard with fidelity, to preserve from danger. And like I said earlier, if your heart's not right, you're in big trouble. Psalm 12, 2 talks about a double heart. Proverbs 28, 14 talks about a hard heart. Proverbs 21, 4 talks about a proud heart. Hebrews 3, 12 talks about an evil heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 talks about a deceitful heart. But Ezekiel 11.19 talks about a new heart. And Psalm 51.10, it, it talks about a clean heart. And our heart 
hey, like I told you, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. You know, when the Lord was looking for a king and he sent even Samuel to go and anoint one of Jesse's sons as king, when he saw Eliab, this guy was probably six foot four, biceps as big as you can imagine, good looking, everything that bowed him. Oh, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. And what did the Lord say? Not him, I've rejected him. I don't see as man sees. You know, the, the world, they look at the outward appearance. But where does God look? at the heart. And that's why we have to guard our heart, make sure it's clean, make sure that there are no lusts that are lingering, make sure there are no weeds of wickedness. And as we guard our heart, this is out of it spring, the issues of life. Everything comes from that place. And so we close in verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. And so can you picture someone kind of like walking and they're just walking and then, you know, one day they walk into heaven. So he's saying, don't go to the right or the left. You know, I remember Demas, Paul said, he has forsaken me having loved this present world wonder what happened to Demas. And so what do we, the Lord says, hey, you guys gotta, you gotta go straight. You gotta keep your eyes on the Lord. Psalm 119.37 says, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Luke 9.62, it says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We can't look to the side. We can't look back. We have to keep our eyes on who? On Jesus. You keep your eyes on Jesus and you ponder your path. Verse 26, where am I, Lord? You know, we can finish up right here. We can do the worship song and, you know, we can just go home and, and continue to live, you know, a, a sorry Christian life that is distant from God and is anemic and, and you know if something's missing, but, you know, we're just kind of surviving and we're just going through the motions but that's not what god wants and god wants all of us and so you ponder the path where am i and if you're not a christian if you're not walking with the lord i, I would encourage you today to make that decision listen god loves you your sin has separated you from him but you need to give your life to christ you need to give your life to his plans and you watch what he will do I, I just can't help but think of peter walking on water as long as he kept his eyes on jesus okay so god has good things wouldn't it be cool to walk on water that'd be kind of cool man in one sense that's what we do the enemy's under our feet right when we're focused